Next order of business is a roll call of members. Please indicate your presence when the machine is open. Of all the members voted, Tyler, roll. We're at the end of another week, and it's been a long one. Uh, it seems like they're always long ones now. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, exciting thing last night, though. Uh, we had the House versus Senate uh, basketball game, uh, which is an annual kind of fun, lighthearted way for us to elbow each other and whatnot on the court of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, where the Pacers play. Uh, the House... Despite having a much lower average age than the Senate, uh, still lost, and that was kind of a downer. I uh, heard. Yeah, so Carrie, you didn't get a chance rah, to. Rah. No, it's it's okay. Well, <laughs> I was the high scorer for the house, though, Woo-hoo! Um, which for me, after uh, retiring from basketball in about eighth grade, um, was a pretty big <laughs> moment for me. I even on Facebook today tagged the the high scorer from my teams growing up to wow. let him know that he's got some catching up to do. Nice. Now. Um, it has been a, a, a long week. We've got some good and some bad, uh, as you might expect. Uh, my guest today uh, is the indubitable Carrie Hamilton, uh, who serves as the caucus chair for the Indiana House Democratic Caucus. Carrie, you've got a, a busy day even still to go. Thanks for taking time to hang out. My pleasure. Okay, so Carrie has said that she's been a listener, which uh, is a good thing. It yeah, makes me feel good. It's fun. It's a great show. Well, thank you. I I am. Not disappointed that there are only four episodes left and we'll take a little bit of a break, (laughs) but uh, I'm excited about today's just a quick recap uh, on what's happened uh, this week in in terms of some of the good uh, representative Mitch Gore's bill uh, to revise the definition of machine guns, which we've talked about various times, especially even over the last couple weeks, was voted out of the Senate with amendments and will return to the House of Representatives uh, likely next week. It's a big win. Uh, That means that this bill is is almost completely over the finish line. Also, Representative Garcia Wilburn's bill to enhance mental health care access for first responders passed unanimously through the Senate Homeland Security and Transportation Committee. It'll be heard on the Senate floor next week, or maybe today. Actually, I'm not sure on the, the timeline there, but that's another uh, big win. The bill to automatically enroll eligible students into the 21st Century Scholars Program, authored by Representative Earl Harris Jr., also a real big player last night. I mean, just down in the paint, worked his tail <laughs> off. Um, I heard it was rough. It, well, here, let me just say this. The Senate uh, plays somewhat recklessly. I mean, I, there were times Who like I, I wanted I wanted to give it my all, but I was not willing to be physically harmed in the process. And some of these guys coming in on the lane, you just step out of the way. And some of those rebounding, I mean, it was they were putting yourself in danger. There's no doubt about it. All right. Uh, but Earl's bill uh, has now passed unanimously out of the Senate Education Committee. It was referred to the Senate Appropriations Committee. Uh, A couple other things. Representative Moed's bill to enhance oversight regarding what counties inmates are released into passed to the Senate Court and Criminal Law Committee. And Representative Bowers' PFAS pilot program bill passed unanimously through the Senate's Homeland Security and Transportation Committee as well. I think the bottom line here, um, and there's been some articles written about this, but some of our members are having a pretty good session and getting some things done for their constituents. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm proud of our members. We're doing a lot of great work. Um, and, uh, it's finally starting to pay off this year. <laughs> it is. I was actually able to get uh, $6 million into the budget, uh, for domestic violence survivors. Yes. A big, a big win there as I well. I was excited about that. So, well, and I think, you know, you, this speaks to a couple things, right? I think, I think it speaks to obviously the relationships that house Democrats are building to try to move things along. It speaks to the strength of our arguments. It, belie- it speaks to, how hard everyone's willing to work. And I think as you hear these episodes at the end of the week, you can tell like we're, 
we're drained <laughs> at the end of the week because we are working nonstop, sometimes 12, 14 hours a day while we're here. Yep. Um, a couple things that are not so good. So on seconds today, uh, we had a series of amendments offered by Representative Shackelford uh, focused on Senate Bill 480. And, uh, and this deals a lot with gender-affirming care for youth. Um, a, a series of amendments, all which uh, would have made this a more, not a better bill. I don't think there's anything we can do to make this a better bill, but made it uh, a less damaging slightly bill. Slightly less cruel. Yeah, slightly yeah. less cruel. Um, one amendment uh, would have grandfathered in those youth who are currently going through a version of therapy, hormone therapy, puberty blocker therapy, uh, to prevent them from having to discontinue the treatment, which could be deeply damaging to them, sending them into uh, suicidal ideation, deep depression, all of that. Another uh, would have limited the bill just to surgical intervention, which we know is is mostly, if not exclusively, happening after the age of 18 anyway. Correct. Um, another uh, would have given um, the those affected um, a cause of action against the state for harm done by discontinuation of gender transition procedures. So imagine uh, we say that these treatments are no longer available and um, a member, uh, a youth uh, then commits suicide or commits some sort of some sort of self-harm, uh, we would, under this amendment, have been able to have those families bring cause of action against the state for unduly putting them under these circumstances. All failed um, on mostly party line votes. There yep. were some with some exceptions, mostly party line votes. What's your reaction? Well, I kind of go back to the original uh point you made about us making some progress this year as Democrats. I, I think um, Republicans have had complete control for a very long time. And I think they're out of the good ideas that we can work together on. I think they've been out of those ideas for a long time. And they're doubling down on the divisive, partisan, some would say hateful policies that really are um, not moving our state forward harming our state's image, and in this case, harming our most vulnerable Hoosiers, right? right? And their families, and scaring their families away from our state. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think uh, the people who are winning most with these issues are the most conservative subset of our population, the folks who families aren't being affected, who maybe don't have any point of reference at all with anyone who's going through this. We're sending a signal to them that because they don't get it, and they don't believe in it, and it challenges their view of the world. We got their backs, yep. but this population is on their own. And can we just talk for a second about the hypocrisy of here, the drumbeat of parental rights we've heard, and then today we have this bill that's literally taking away parental rights um, in, in a very sensitive um, situation, and it's, it's just pure hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about what if we were saying... <laughs> That not only, uh, let me put it this way, what if, what if we were in control and we were saying every single person has to have the COVID vaccine, right. no exceptions, everyone has to do it, right? I mean, this is, these are two sides of the same coin where yep. we are picking and choosing when we care about parental rights, we're picking and choosing also which religions get uh, priority Correct. Uh, in terms of the way we approach all of this. And it is, it's why you're seeing it being called a slate of hate because uh, the fact of the matter is we are telling one subset of the population that they don't belong, that they that even if they are wrapped in the love of their families and they're seeking the support of their doctors and mental health professionals, that that's not good enough, that you have to do it our way. And it's incredibly discouraging. Uh, this bill will be on third reading on Monday. 
Uh, so tune in. Um, you know, this this is where the the final kind of moment is on this piece of legislation. Uh, and it's my hope that uh, we'll put up a fight that is worthy of the folks that deserve defended. Yes, I agree. Um, also, HB 1138 was heard in the Senate Environmental Affairs Committee on Monday. Uh, the bill did not receive a vote. The bill would have mandated preschools and daycare facilities to test their water for lead contamination uh, annually. Another thing that, you know, it's sometimes when it's just so common sense and we've yeah, seen right. news stories. Right. Uh, we, we couldn't get a vote on something like that as well. Um, so for all the good, the, the beginning mm-hmm. of the show here, the, mm-hmm. the, the bills that are getting through, there are still a lot of great ideas, common sense ideas that really aren't partisan um, that we just can't get over yeah. the first time. Helping ensure a healthy environment for kids. Well, Carrie, we've, uh, we've run through the week. I, I want to make sure that folks, you are an Indianapolis representative. I want to make sure folks get to Woo-hoo. know you a little bit. So could you just share a little bit about who you are, the district you represent, anything else? I'd love to, yeah. So um, I've worked in the environmental field for 25 years, so that's my professional background. I've raised my family on the north side of Indianapolis in Washington Township. I re- represent parts of Washington and Lawrence Townships. Um, uh, beautiful part of our city it includes Fort Ben um, and and just endless great neighborhoods and great public schools and um, I've been in office since 2016. 2016 all right well so the issues I mean having worked professionally in uh, issues of the environment sustainability uh, you know, I, I assume that's part of the things that you are advocating strongly for here in the state house. So, what's what's kind of the the issues that are top of mind for you? Yeah, so I've been here since uh, the 2017 session, playing defense on environmental policy by and large, right? Um, uh, but I also care deeply about providing pre-K for all Hoosier four-year-olds. I think that's a critically uh, smart investment. Uh, a very smart investment uh, that we critically need to make, I should say, um, for uh, so many reasons. The evidence is very clear that when you provide that um, high-quality early learning, that students uh, stay in school longer, have fewer um, issues throughout their education um, in the public public education system. They uh, are more likely to go to college. They'll end up paying more taxes in their lifetimes. Sure. The economic, I mean, it's a it's a multi times payoff uh, in far as far as a tax investment, a v- investment of public dollars. Um, that's really strong for society, right? And for that reason, almost every state in the nation has invested much more in pre K learning, early learning than we have in Indiana, and it's uh, it's hurting our state. And I'm going to keep fighting to to change the story there and to have us provide that education to our early learners. And you mentioned it on 480, uh, the impact this also has on whether or not people will choose Indiana, will stay in yeah, Indiana, right. what it signals about how, how much we care about the ideas of belonging and quality of place as much as everything else. Uh, pre-K is one of those things that is a huge contributor to that idea too, talent, attraction, yeah. retention. Yeah. Uh, it, this plays into it. And when you don't invest in those things in a meaningful way and expand access to it, we are signaling also to the workforce that at a critical component of their ability to be in the workforce, we're not a part of. We're not, we're yeah. not fully invested in. I'll tell you, uh, just before you got here, um, in the 2017 session, there was a so budget year. There was a strong coalition of employers and stakeholders from across Indiana uh, advocating, very strong coalition, advocating for a pre-K for all program. Governor Holcomb actually supported it. And yet still today, 
the Republican supermajority in the legislature has not supported such an investment. We have a small pilot project serving handfuls of students in certain communities, and that's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you want to go to a private school, right, <laughs> a religious school, correct, we will give you the dollars to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, regardless of the impact on public education. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we again, kind of with, a, with no evidence this, showing that. better outcomes. Correct. Yeah. Et cetera. Um, okay, Carrie. So, in addition, you are the caucus chair. You are the chairperson of the Indiana House Democratic Caucus. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> I was honored to be elected to this position last fall, um, and it means that I do a few things on behalf of the caucus. One, I when we sit down and caucus together, um, my job is to try to keep things moving along in a productive and um, thoughtful manner. And with 30 <laughs> different personalities and egos, it's an incredibly easy job. Right, it right. It is a fire circle, kumbaya all the time. Yeah, right. I mean, imagine these 30 folks passionate about issues. You get one of those issues like we just talked about or several others where a lot of people have feelings. Um, and it's hard to keep folks on track sometimes. And I understand that. I've been on the other side, right? But we need to get through our calendar for the day. We need to talk about things on point that are coming on the floor that day. Which, as we've talked about, could be 40, 50 different pieces of legislation. Right, at right, given moment. right. So that's that's the most challenging um part of the job, I think. I also do other things like um, coordinate gatherings and, um, you know, as part of the leadership team, help communicate things out to the caucus that are um, important and time sensitive throughout the year. And I would say, I mean, I'm not suggesting this is equally important, uh, but also making sure that there are snacks. I think this is a critically important part. I, and I would say, I'm it, not being facetious. It may be one of the most challenging. No. I'm not no. being facetious. Yeah. When, yeah. Like I said, on a 12-hour day, a 13-hour day, uh-huh. people can get hangry yep. and it could affect their behavior on the floor. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, so snacks is also <laughs> a piece of this. Um, you know, you've, you've been here obviously um, seven years, eight years almost. Uh, what's, you know, how is, how is the place if it has changed uh, in the time that you've been here? Ooh, well, um, unfortunately I would say it's become, you know, I was elected in a, it was, Frankly, the day I was elected was the most bittersweet political day of my life. I was elected to office for the first time, and Donald Trump was elected to office for the first time. Um, And the division that that has sowed in our country um, has uh, continued to escalate. Um, And so there are... Every year, there are frustrating moments. Um, I will say, you know, getting through the pandemic was really challenging. I think this year we're finally um, recovering from that. We had the actual pandemic year where we were cordoned off in the government center south and my first session your first session that was was, tough time to start i feel for you uh last year was sort of the covid hangover year and i think we're coming out of that and i'm feeling um in some ways like there's more positivity generally despite the divisive policies that we still are fighting you know it's interesting because i think i i'm you know the whole time i've been so i was a city councilor before right and i had you know so i've been in, in public office for seven or so years and all these times, it's like I want people to be more engaged. I want them to care more. I want the, I want people to you know to be at the table, and that has start that has started to happen. Only it's with a greater amount of vitriol and hatred for the other side. Yeah. And I think and I think both sides are are somewhat yeah. guilty of this, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that it's it's anger and distrust. And um, I think I shared maybe on a previous episode, or maybe I was just talking to someone. Uh, I cannot tell the difference sometimes <laughs> um, about the the fact that the vast majority of both Democrats and Republicans think the other side is 
immoral and untrustworthy, which is a, a statistic that has changed dramatically over the last decade. And I think it's probably stronger amongst our constituency than us as we work with, I mean, I certainly have friends across the aisle and have respect uh, for members across the aisle, um, oftentimes strongly disagree, but it's it's a really hard time. And certainly that the media ecosystem isn't helping us out. Um, set aside your podcast. Yeah, this is like <laughs> probably more integrity than you could possibly ask for. Yeah. I mean, we are slightly one-sided. I, I've yet to have a Republican on, and I might. I mean, listen, there's still time. There's still time. But uh, as of right now, I'm highlighting the members of our caucus who are fighting for people's rights and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So. I, will, I will say, uh, back to your last question, you know, when I came in, I really hoped there would be more bipartisan um, work happening. Um, I, you know, we've talked about, I'm, I know you've talked about how there are many bills every session that are bipartisan, but I think on big critical issues, we're not having the, the big debates that would bring us together and compromise on things. And I think that's unfortunate. I hope, I hope to still be here when that, when the tide turns and we, I, I think there's, I'm not giving up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. And I, you know, it's, you talk to people who have served when the, the, the margin was a little closer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and what they share is that, and that is great government, right? Yes. Because you need people's votes and you need to compromise. You need to come to the table a little bit more. And as you mentioned, with a decade of single party control, uh, that's not as normal. Um, and especially when it comes to issues that could be considered wedge issues, right? Uh, we are not being forced. Like there, on 480, on all this stuff around trans youth, like there is no incentive for the Republican caucus to come our way. Right. Because from their perspective, they don't need our votes and our voice is not as loud as theirs. And I think they feel somewhat inoculated yep. uh, from the critique. Uh, and I think that poses some pretty scary uh, realities. Yep. Agreed. Uh, well, well, Carrie, listen, I know you've got uh, I'm, this is going to be a shorter episode because Carrie's got another meeting to go to because that's <laughs> what kind of day it is that Carrie runs from this meeting to another meeting, even though we've adjourned for the week. Uh, no rest, no rest in this job until April 30th. It's coming. Yeah. It's in sight. And I'm also saying that we're going to cut it a little short today because I need to go ice my knees and shoulder. (laughs) Um, Thanks for taking one for the house team. I told my wife, I was like, I may use the bathtub for the first time since we've been married just to Epsom salt (laughs) and some candles and try to just reset what is a, a horribly injured body now. Well, don't so. tell anyone, but I'd like to be on the team next year for the jersey and stand on the sidelines. Is yeah, that, is that, I think is that that's a thing I can do? Representative Bauer did just that. I, I kept <laughs> ah, saying, okay. Maureen, uh, sub, sub, and she would look as if she didn't hear me. Um, and so, <laughs> Oh, so now I know the tricks. Okay, Yeah, just great. go, get I'll on the sidelines. I'll see you next line. year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I mean, you may end up being our best player, uh, <laughs> even from the bench, because it's... Uh, it's really something. Well, Carrie, thanks obviously for your service. Thanks for um, everything you do for Indianapolis as well as my fellow indie representative. Uh, as always, thanks all of you for listening. Um, this has uh, been a labor of love. We've got only about four episodes left, uh, and um, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to fight on Monday, and we're going to keep fighting uh, for the things that we know would make this state a better place to live, work, play, and to raise a family. So thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Blake. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs>